For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the experts. That would be Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Randy, how are you doing today? Doing very well, Jeff. How about you? I am doing great, thank you. And Jake, how's this Saturday morning finding you so far? Doing great, Jeff. Thanks for asking. You're certainly welcome. Happy weekend to everybody. And I want to say happy Memorial Day. As you're barbecuing this weekend with the hamburgers and the hot dogs, have a great time doing that. But remember what Memorial Day is really all about, and that is remembering and honoring those people who fought in the wars and paid the ultimate price for us to enjoy the great standard of living that we have in America today, the greatest country in the world. So never forget that. Well, on today's show, we've got a lot to unpack, gentlemen, and I want to start off with current events, these interest rate hikes that we've had recently. You know, finally, it kind of seems like these are having some sort of an effect. Can you elaborate on that? What's your opinion? Sure thing. You know, the banks are starting to actually pay interest now. We can get some fixed income. How about that? Get tired of the outflows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you remember over the years we've talked about here, the last few years when interest rates were really low, that, you know, you put a million dollars in the bank and it'd pay you 5,000 a year. Well, now we can put a million in and we can get close to $50,000 a year out of a fixed income setup. So that's really kind of great news for things. So we don't know for sure how much further Jerome Powell, our Fed chairman, is going to raise rates, but we do know that he's got it up around 5% now that banks have to pay. Mm-hmm. That's why they're willing to go ahead and pay depositors you know, in CD rates and money market rates and that sort of thing. We also, though, are seeing that it's starting to have some effects on the economy, which is what Jerome Powell has been waiting and hoping to accomplish by raising these interest rates. So what we're seeing here, you know, last week, Jeff, we saw that Home Depot, which had had 12 consecutive quarters of positive growth, positive revenue growth, and bottom line growth, had their second quarter of negative, basically looking forward, they're saying, hey, we're probably going to have to cut our guidance as to how much revenue we're going to have for the year and also our profitability. And then just this past week, we had Lowe's come out and say the same thing, that they're cutting their full year guidance. Now, the reason that these two are so important is when you look at the do-it-yourselfers, you mm-hmm. know, out there that love to do their backyard, that the landscaping, repair yeah. the fence, paint the house, whatever it is, you know, all those things. It's a very, very broad base of business that's uh, affected through those people and what they actually sell. And I've been to Lowe's on a weekend, and i got to tell you, there's no place to park. It is busier than ever. A lot of people doing those things around the house. And as you said, Home Depot and Lowe's, probably, those are good businesses to look at as a representative of what's going on. Do you think that that sort of activity and the results that we've gotten from Home Depot and Lowe's is going to trickle down to all the other 
businesses? Yeah, I would think that it has to, Jeff. I mean, as they slow down and, the, and demand for products and services and goods that they have in the store slow down, it has to, you know, trickle through the whole economy. And again, this is not something that Jerome Powell is not aware of. It's what he's been trying to create for a little while. And I know that sometimes people must think, well, that sounds so counterproductive, mm-hmm. you know, that we have to slow things down to right the ship. But it is something that that must happen to get this thing righted. I will say this too, Jeff. You and I were talking, you know, before the show today that, you know, sometimes we have to talk about negative things on here. But there's always good on the other side. And we have to weigh things out. I was saying, you know, my daughter one time before she was getting married, you know, I was having a really pretty in-depth and uh, heartfelt discussion with her. Right. And I said, you know, honey, I said, uh, you know, you sure you want to marry this guy? And she said, Dad, all we need is love. I said, yes, honey, and a handful of hundreds <laughs> each month to that's go right. along with that. That's right. And I said, you know, you can't pay the light bill with love. That's but right. But here's the thing. If you go into any arrangement with your eyes wide open, and that is that there's good and there's bad, and right now we're in the middle of some bad, but we've had many, 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 many years of good times here in this country. We're just going through a cycle right now that is bad, and we will get to the other side of this, and then we're going to be able to have great growth again. Yeah, and we've talked about American resilience in the past. We've been through so many things. We've always rebounded, and certainly I have great hope and faith that we'll rebound from this too. So it sounds like Fed Chair Powell's interest rate hikes are beginning to work. Uh, I understand that inflation, at least last measured, and they're reporting to us, was around 4.9%. Yeah, that's the last number that I heard as well, Jeff. And we've been seeing it go down and down and down, quarter over quarter. And I want to be clear on this. You know, sometimes Joe Biden thinks that we're in negative inflation right now. Actually, all it amounts to is it's slowing down from 9% to 4.9%. And, of course, the Fed mandate, what they love to have is maximum employment and 2% inflation. That's their target. Yeah, so that is something to look forward to. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group about current events and what is happening with the Fed and Chair Powell and his interest rates. They seem to be working here. And I understand that the Fed is now beginning to pause a bit on these interest rate hikes. What does that mean? the Fed pause. Well, I mean, that's a belief that we have, Jeff, is that the Fed will pause at this upcoming meeting. So what that actually means is the Fed will stop raising rates. Um, And so basically what we think is going to happen is they will just sit at 5% Fed funds rate and kick it to the next meeting to see what needs to be done. If inflation does not come down the way they want it to, they can always start raising rates again later. Or if inflation comes down faster than expected, they may start to look at cutting toward the end of the year. I think a lot of that's really going to depend on the health of the overall economy and maybe even more importantly, the banking system. So I think if the banking system has more problems, like we've seen some of these kind of mid-sized bank failures that have been contained by simply making JP Morgan and other banks like it bigger. They're just buying it up for pennies on the dollar, government arranged. Uh, I think it would be nice if the government would arrange me a deal where I could get <laughs> yeah. wealthy, guaranteed, backed by the federal government. But that aside, um, I do think that it is likely we're going to have a pause. If the banking system starts to break, they will not hesitate to catch it and they will lower rates if necessary. They will be buyers of last resort on government bonds, potentially corporate bonds, whatever is necessary, which will you know balloon our balance sheet even more. And if you have been a longtime listener of this show, we have talked about in the past how when the money supply goes up, meaning how many dollars there are in the system, total dollars, when money supply goes up, market goes up a similar amount. And so 
if you think about the correlation between how many dollars there are in circulation and how much a stock is worth or the market as a whole is worth, it's a very high correlation. So right now we're contracting the money supplier. We're supposed to be, you know, if we'll stop bailing out banks. But as we start to expand that again, I would look for the market to move much higher this next time out. And I think artificial intelligence or AI or generative intelligence, AGI, however you want to look at it, I think is going to really propel the system this time around. Any business that is service-oriented is going to be a huge, huge tailwind when it comes to AI. I don't know if you have played around, Jeff, with ChatGPT nope. or looked at some of the some of the things that it's capable of. It's really quite remarkable. And, you know, where people would pay for, let's say, you know, an article on how climate change is overblown in the media and here's some reasons why. Mm-hmm. If you go in and you say, hey, ChatGPT, write me an article that says I want it to be like this and I want it to be an eighth grade reading level so it's not <laughs> too complicated wow. and I want it to be 1,500 words, it'll just spit it out in 30 seconds. That's going to eat up a lot of these service-oriented businesses where for literal zero dollars you can have access to chat gpt in this um, there's going to be a lot of these people looking at some of these jobs going hmm i could hire one guy where i had 10 and he can just do it via chat gpt and i save 90 percent of my money yes i think i'll do that artificial intelligence scares me a little bit because uh, just as you said randy ai certainly could replace a lot of jobs do you think artificial intelligence in the long term is going to be a positive or a negative thing insofar as jobs in america goes i just wanted to say real quick too jeff that you know ai scares the crap out of me too yeah i think if you're not afraid of it yeah you should be however that will not stop it from being a huge tailwind and a huge propellant for markets and because of profits and revenue. So I just wanted to throw that out there. No, that's good, Jake. I, I agree with you there. And yeah, it does it does kind of scare me. You know, I was listening to a program the other day on the radio. In fact, it was Glenn Beck. I'll just tell you who it was. I right. was listening to him just for a little bit, and he was talking about AI, and he said, right. well, you know, if I'm a machine and I get to where I can be pretty smart, mm-hmm. and I'm always bailing out these humans, and they're the biggest problem <laughs> we ever have, yeah. how long would it take before I say, you know what, we don't need you anymore, we're just gonna kill you. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I know that's out there a little bit, but so was the communicator with Captain Kirk and Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> back in the day. (laughs) And I think long-term, we'll have to worry about those types of situations. But in the short term, it's going to make certain types of businesses incredibly profitable, where their gross profit and their net profit margins are going to be skyrocketing from, you Mm -hmm. know, different types of businesses, data analytics. You know, you're just going to be able to do so much more with so much less. And thinking like I think a lot of people are thinking, listening to this conversation at this point, I'm thinking, well, AI, it can do all of this. It seems to be a cutting-edge technology in the wave of the future. How can I get on this bandwagon and ride this wave? Does AI present any investing opportunities, in your opinion, at this point, or is it too early? It absolutely does. You know, the biggest question mark for us, though, is, and we're going to talk about this in our next segment here, but where does the market go first? Right. It's not that there's not a huge opportunity in some of these companies. It's more just the type of company that will benefit most from AI is the same type of company that will get destroyed if we continue this interest rate policy. And so we have to be patient with our entry point. It's okay to buy some now, but I think we're going to get a much better buying opportunity 
opportunity three, four, five, six months down the line. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about current events. And as Jake said, we're going to be talking about the market in the next segment of our program. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you're listening to the show today and you're saying to yourself, pretty bright guys there I'm listening to on the radio, I'd like to get them on my team. Well, you can do that by calling 417-889-7233 and requesting your no cost, no obligation, no judgment financial review with Randy and Jake. It is an opportunity for you to sit down one-on-one with Randy and Jake or Randy or Jake and talk about your individual situation and get your questions answered and put you on a path to retirement that'll not only help you survive retirement, but also thrive in retirement. Once again, no cost and no obligation for that. Everybody needs a little help now and again. Why not get it with your retirement? You know, your retirement could last 30 years or more if you're healthy. So plan for that and get a plan that'll sustain you through that period of time. Again, there is no cost for this. There is no obligation and certainly there is no judgment. Randy and Jake and myself, we all put our pants on the same way as everybody else does, one leg at a time. Once again, call 417-889-7233 for your no cost, no obligation financial review. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. Happy Memorial Day. We'll be right back with more of our show after this here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Does the current market volatility have you questioning everything? Will my money last? Should I sell? Should I do nothing and pray the markets recover? It's time to get some real answers. And at Floyd Financial Group, that's exactly what you'll get. No fluff, no Wall Street double talk, just real answers by real people who live right here and understand our local community. We always make it easy to find information. You can watch one of our free webinars or download one of our books or guides online at floydfinancialgroup.com. And to help ensure your safety during this time, we're offering phone or virtual meetings to help answer your questions. Whether you've recently lost your job and need some help understanding your options with your 401ks and financial plan, or whether you're retired or planning for retirement and are concerned about your retirement income, we're here to help. Call us at 417-889-7233. That's 417-889-7233. Or go online to floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Ready for a heapin' helpin' of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the markets in general and kind of what's happening and where are we? Yeah, that's a big question that I have, Randy, is where are we with these markets? I talk to people all the time that are invested in the market and some people are losing their shorts while others are doing very well. But the ones that are doing well seem to be owners of what we're calling the FANG stocks, F-A-A-N-G. What are those and why are they doing so well and how far up? are they? We'll leave it at that. So there's a lot of speculation, of course, where the market's going to be going. But it is true that the actual gainers, the list of those are really pretty thin as compared to those that are either down or those that are pretty well sideways. So looking back over our shoulder for 2022, that was an ugly year for most everything. Mm -hmm. Markets were down about 20%. 
So I always want to bring this up because people say, well, Randy, what was your average return for the last 15 years? Or what was it for the last so many years? I said, well, number one, it depends on where you start every time as to what returns are, right? So looking at what happened, you know, since the first of the year through today, yes, the markets are up a little bit, but are we out of the woods? No. We look back over our shoulder in 2022, we were down 20%. And if we look at ourselves and uh, markets over the last couple of years, we're basically down to flat is kind of where we are. So so one of the things we look at here all the time is what is the value of the market and how do we measure the value of the market? Uh, I was listening to a gentleman, Muhammad Alirian, speak earlier this week. Mm -hmm. uh, he was on Squawk Box giving his two cents, as he does quite regularly. And he says that the market is fairly priced right now. Hmm. And so let's talk about what fairly priced is. So when we look at a price-earnings relationship of stocks, basically your stock is worth a multiple of what it earns. So typically for the S&P 500, when we're in growth mode and we're seeing things are pretty good, we're in that 15, 16, 18 multiple, which basically says that stocks are making five, six, seven percent, something like that mm -hmm. in profit. And of course, right now we know that the stock market, the S&P 500, that's roughly 500 of America's largest companies, that the PE, the price earnings ratio right now is about 20. Hmm. So that means that you're basically they're earning at about a 5%, I would say, profitability on those stocks. So how do we know if we're priced high or low? Well, if we look back at some of the crashes when we had the dot-com bubble, remember when that was, Jeff, back oh, in yeah. 2000, 2001 yeah. and two, right. the multiples were 45. Oh so my the gosh. PE was 45, which meant companies were making maybe around 2% profit is what it really boils down to. Well, today at 20, we're making around 5% profit, the companies are, right? Mm -hmm. So in 2007, it wasn't as bad. Of course, we had a financial crisis that drove that more than the price-earnings ratio. I think it was 26 mm -hmm. at the crash in 2007 when that came along for us. So right now, with the market being priced at about a 20 to 21 price-earnings ratio, and the fact that fixed interest is sitting at around 5%, I believe that's why the market is really not going anywhere. People are saying that our stock market purists are saying, well, well, you know, this is not overly high and companies have been meeting a lot of their numbers as far as profit goes. But also the other side of that is people are saying, well, I'm out of the market now. And since I can get 5% through fixed interest, why in the world would I go and take risk? You know, it's kind of where we are. And I think that's why the market, it, through all this stuff we're seeing with the debt ceiling thing that we've, we've had in the news, as well as all the negativity, that's why the market's kind of been flatlining and bouncing back and forth through this period. A fair number of investors, when the market certainly was doing very, very poorly, and as you said, it's not doing great right now, but they went to all cash or maybe they went to 80% cash. In light of what you're talking about, the P.E. ratio being 16, 17, 18 as it is right now, it's in the fair range. Is it time for people to jump back into the market? Well, that would depend on who you talk to. There are those people that are perma, what we call perma bulls, meaning they think the market's always going to go up. And then there are those people that are the perma bears that think the market's always going to go down and they live in that camp all the time. And then there's everybody else, right? So I think if people were to, and I would say this about anyone that has been hanging around this business for a while, Everybody has an opinion, and the people that we can really listen to have it based in some sort of fact, right? Mm -hmm. Some sort of gleaning of fact that they believe to be true. The challenge is the market ultimately is controlled by people, 
And a lot of it is sentiment. How do they feel about things? Because when people get scared, what do they do? They pull back. When they Mm -hmm. feel good, they invest. So how people feel has a whole lot to do with how they invest. Earlier, gentlemen, we talked about the FANG stocks, and by that we mean Facebook, which is now meta platforms, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, and now Google is called Alphabet. I guess we can't call these the (laughs) FANG stocks anymore. I don't know what we're going to call these things, but they're really up considerably by comparison with the rest of the market, aren't they? Yeah, I think a lot of that, Jeff, too, is the fact that everybody knows those companies. People are, are are using all those goods and services, you know, more than probably ever before. Now, I know that, you know, advertising on Google, advertising through Facebook and a lot of that stuff is down some. Of course, that's meta now, right? Right. Uh, is down some. Small business has kind of pulled back, you know, kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. But again, I think a lot of it is those are popular companies. Those are popular names. Today, millennials and Gen Zers don't get excited about Kraft Heinz. No. (laughs) Although it is something that we all consume or most of us consume every day. Well, that's exactly right. It is, you know. So, but again, people are looking for things that are exciting. And, you know, the next best thing, I think, is a lot of what's happening to push those up and of course, those are well-known companies. Those are the largest companies on the face of the globe. And so everybody is going to know about those. But, you know, the actual rally that we're seeing right now, the upside that we've had since the first of the year in the market is very, very thin. What I mean by that is there's only a few companies carrying this rally and the rest are flat to negative. I mean, if we look at Zoom right. alone, you know, during the pandemic, it was 500 plus dollars per share. Now it's about $67 a share. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to the pandemic, it was probably around 50 bucks a share. So it's been up tenfold and back down 90%. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things that the market right now is really searching. Everybody's searching trying to figure out you know what to do and here's what's important for people to realize probably 70% of the money in the market today is controlled by institutional investors who what's an institutional investor that could be pension funds uh, money managers you know asset managers hedge funds all those things that's who's controlling this thing and they are all kind of scratching their heads mm-hmm. right now just right. to be honest well as you said Facebook and Amazon Apple and Netflix I mean all of those things seem to be tech stocks but you mentioned zoom which is a tech stock as well too isn't doing so well I mean there is a, a real danger I guess as was with the dot-com era that you don't just invest in a stock because it's a tech stock exactly right and I got to tell you too and and I say this all the time, and some people say, well, I'm not so sure about that. I think every company eventually has to make some money. Right. <laughs> you know, they got to get there to because people will eventually get tired of dumping money into stocks. Now, if we look back over our shoulder, we had the Amazons of the world, you know, that we invested in for 30 years before they made any money. And I think, you know, last year, they still, I think last year they lost $2.2 billion. It's actually kind of funny going back and watching some of the late 90s interviews with Jeff Bezos that mm-hmm. he would do on like The Tonight Show and stuff. And they're like, so you're still losing money, but you're a billionaire. How does that work? <laughs> how does that work? Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's pretty funny how watching him answer those questions. He's like, uh, well, let me explain it to you. But I think I would argue too, Jeff, that tech in general, the multiples are really in the stratosphere given they're very high for Mm -hmm. where we are interest rate policy wise. And when we're talking about the cheapness or expensiveness of the market relative to how much money a company makes, that's a very interest rate sensitive conversation. Meaning if interest rates are zero, we would expect multiples of companies to be much higher when they're fairly valued. 
But as Randy was alluding to earlier, when interest rates are higher, then the multiples should come down because there's greater opportunity cost, right? Because I can just go get 5% in the money market. And because of that, the multiples, instead of being 50, should be more like 20. And again, I don't want to get way, way off in the weeds, but tech stocks are, again, very high uh, on the multiples for the amount of growth that they're having. A lot of them are not having very much growth at all. Uh, some of them are having negative growth, and they're being priced like they're having 20% revenue growth. I mean, that's one of the biggest arguments right now for the market to head south from here is that you really have less than 10 companies in the United States, driving 80% or so of the growth in the S&P 500. You, know, you have the biggest tech companies, the Apples, the Microsofts, NVIDIA, AMD, you know, Netflix. If you lump those together, uh, on average, they're up something like 40% on the year. But the average S&P stock is only up, you know, maybe four or five percent, maybe not even that right now. And I think that that is historically a recipe for stocks to plummet. When you have a market being led by 10 stocks, almost every single time after that, you have you have a, a meaningful drawdown. Now, we don't know how much that drawdown is going to be. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen. So again, please understand I'm not giving investment advice here. Mm -hmm. I'm just simply saying that in a healthy bull market, what you want to see is 60 or 70% of the S&P 500 making all-time highs as the market starts to near where it was. So you want to, you want to have this broad diversification of stocks that are doing well, not just have a few stocks that are doing well carrying everything else because eventually those stocks will get tired. And uh, you know, if we listen to guys like Mike Wilson, who is a very well-respected analyst on Wall Street, and he was talking about exactly this and he was one of the only guys last year saying, "Hey, this market's going to head south." And his price target originally was 3000 on the S&P, and it got to 3491 Then he said, hey, we're due for a rally, market rallies. And now he's saying that we're going to go back and retest those lows or maybe even go lower, uh, which is quite a move from here. So Larry McDonald was also on uh, talking about similar things. Who's, mm -hmm. He's also another very well-respected analyst out there. And I think we're trying to get over a recession before the recession even starts. And that's just not the way it works. We have to take our lumps. And the tightening by the Fed is going to cause tight financial conditions. And, you know, that's going to come with job loss. That's going to come with just an array of things that the market in general is not going to like. And so we still think we just have to be patient here. And, you know, we've been trying to be patient. And I understand that it's difficult. But, again, at least now we can get paid to wait. We can use some of these money market funds or CDs or whatever. They're paying north of four, you know, some paying north of five. If you want to get paid to wait, you know, give us a call. We can talk about the different options there are to kind of put things on, on hold so we don't have to worry about what's coming uh, over the next few weeks, few months, uh, as the country starts to digest some of these other issues. But again, we, we really think that, we've said this before, but we still think that discretion is the better part of valor here. We're talking with Randy Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. We've been talking about the market, and as Jake said, give them a call at Floyd Financial Group if you've got questions about the market or your portfolio in general. 417-889-7233 is the number to call right here in Springfield. Also, use that number if you would like to get your no-cost, no-obligation, no-judgment financial review with Randy and Jake. As I've said before, it's a chance for you to sit down one-on-one -on -one with Randy and Jake and get your questions answered and allow them 
them to be sort of like a Sherpa, helping you up that mountain of retirement, getting you to the top and making sure that you are safe and sound. And a Sherpa, of course, has done this before. Randy and Jake have helped hundreds, if not thousands of people retire over the years. So why not put their expertise to work for you? 417-889-7233 to get your no-cost, no-obligation financial review. And certainly there is no judgment either. Again, 417-889-7233. You can also request your financial review online at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Have a safe and sound one. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Do you currently have money invested in mutual funds? Are you aware of the potential hidden fees you could be paying? This is Randy Floyd here, founder of the Floyd Financial Group, where we know that after a lifetime of hard work, it's important to make sure that your nest egg is protected from hidden fees. Call Floyd Financial Group today for a complimentary consultation and fee analysis to uncover what hidden fees you may be paying. The number is 877-889-PLAN. That's 877-889-7526. Or visit us online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to continue to talk about the market and financial conditions. But we really want to talk about what's on the other side of this and the fact that every time we've had a great market run, there's been some catalyst to cause that. And I guess the takeaway, Randy, is that we have talked about some negative things and what's wrong with the market, but I think there's real hope out there. There's room for positivity, and that's how I've lived my entire life. And people that I have known who have been through adversity and uh, lived uh, long lives and enriched lives always had one thing, and that was hope, and that was positivity. But I think there's real hope and positivity for this market. So let's start there, Randy. Why should we be hopeful about where things are headed? Yeah, so a couple things I will say, and then we'll kind of backtrack several years here. But people say, well, how do you think or why do you think the stock market will be back? Well, the last I knew, Jeff, there was somewhere around seven and a half billion with a B people on the planet. Mm -hmm. The fact that we're here, we're living, we're eating, we're breathing, we're doing all those things that we do, we create business and create demand for products and services. Mm -hmm. So what does the stock market do? The stock market is a means through an IPO, an initial public offering, for companies to come to the marketplace that have great ideas, things that have taken hold through our society that people want those goods and products and services. And it's a way for them to come and get financing to promote and expand that business across the country and around the globe eventually. So it's how business gets done. Now, through the last pandemic thing we had here, we saw these things called SPACs, Mm -hmm. Special Acquisition Companies, that were trying to take the place of the initial public offering just as a way to go public. And those have kind of fallen by the wayside. But the IPO is where an investment banker like a J.P. Morgan Chase or a Merrill Lynch or somebody says, yeah, I see your business. I think it has legs. Let's go out and let's talk to a few of our key investors. Let's see if we can generate some interest. And if we can we will take it public. So all this stuff that we see that's trading every day on the S&P 500 and on the NASDAQ and all that, that's all traded on what's called the secondary market. The secondary market is once the company has IPO'd, 
it's how stocks trade back and forth, okay? And as companies do better and become more and more in favor, the, the price of the stock goes up. Now, let's back up a long ways here and say, okay, what have been major catalysts in the past that have created situations for the market to really grow? So if we look back over our shoulder, the closest thing we can see was what? Through February of 2020, starting back in March 2nd of 2009, that was an 11-year bull market, like 132 months. Right. We had never, ever seen that before. Generally speaking, out of a crisis comes new life and growth. And then the fact that Ben Bernanke was our Fed chairman then and started printing tons of money. Yeah, remember <laughs> they called it quantitative easing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was just basically putting money into the system. And I remember an interview with Ben Bernanke where somebody said, so Ben, what do you really want to have happen with this, all this money that's going into the system? What do you think is going to happen? He says, well, I hope it finds its way into asset prices. Well, did it? It absolutely did. Now, if we go back a little bit further and we say, okay, let's go back to one of the things that probably had more impact than anything, and that was in 1974 when the Employee Retirement Income Security Act was put in place, ERISA as we know it today, all kinds of acronyms in today's world, right? So that was set up and that really started the 401k and the IRA, all the retirement plans as we knew it. And what it really did was it allowed the common man or woman to invest in the stock market because they could take a little bit of their paycheck and they could invest it pre-tax, meaning they got to get a tax deduction to do it while they funded that. And all of a sudden, over the next few years, America kind of woke up and started investing in the market and it drove prices higher and higher and higher. And then, of course, we had the dot-com bubble that came in along there with that. I mean, when the internet was starting to grow and computers and personal computers were uh, on the, you know, really on the, flying out the, the all the stores, then we had the dot-com bubble. But we had that growth period from the early 80s through the 90s that was just stellar. Mm -hmm. So every time we've had a really big market uptick, it's been because there's been an influx of cash into the market for some reason. So Jake has an idea here of what he thinks the next catalyst may be, and probably some other comments as well. Probably the one I think is maybe the most interesting there was the, the ERISA thing you were talking about there. So when ERISA came in, only about 6% of the population prior to that was invested in the stock market. And if you look at that toward 2000 or even today, you know, the number is closer to 60% that have some money either in a retirement plan or stocks in general. And I would argue the number is probably higher than that, but the data on that is is a little bit lopsided. But I think if you look at what the stock market did from the time that ERISA was implemented to about the year you know, 1999 or so, is it went up about 10 times, very similar to the amount of stock participation, right? It was 6%, now it's 60%. And I think that in order to see that type of growth, you have to have a similar catalyst. And I think that, and again, I want to be very clear on this because I am not a proponent of AI. I'm not one that's saying artificial intelligence is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I like it from a moral standpoint, from an ethical standpoint. I think there's lots of problems, some existential, some more benign, but I think uh, everything from copyright infringement to a Skynet situation, if you've right. seen the Terminator, you know, uh, are on the <laughs> yeah. table to some extent, right? right? However, that is not going to stop it from creating an avalanche of cash. And what's going to happen here is people are going to be able to do several times the amount of work in certain industries that they have been able to do before, which is going to allow either companies to do more 
or to hire less people and do the same. And either way, that's going to generate more profit and it's going to drive stock prices higher. You know, over the last decade or so, I've been kind of trying to figure out what is the next catalyst to drive this thing to the next level. And I think that you could definitely make the argument that AI could be that. And, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out how to invest around that. And they're like, well, you know, we need to own Microsoft stock because, you know, that's where ChatGPT is. But I think that's looking at it a little bit too narrowly. And I think a lot of the biggest winners will be companies that are not necessarily investing actually in AI. They're simply using it to do their jobs more efficiently. It's not going to be the companies, in my opinion, that are creating the AI bots and those types of things that are going to be the big beneficiary. It's going to be the people that are able to license them and do their job 10 times better than they're doing it right now. Service-oriented businesses, data analytics, those types of things. All those companies are already very profitable, but they're about to get a steroid injection mm -hmm. of profitability. And it's going to be very interesting to see where it shakes out. But like Randy said, um, you know, a lot of times on this show, we talk about the negative, but I think there's going to be a ton of money to be made on the other side of this. We have to be just a little bit more patient here. If your time horizon is significantly longer, though, you know, again, this show is generally positioned around people getting close to retirement or in retirement. You know, that's our main client. But if you're listening to the show and you're 30, I would not be worried about being patient. I would get invested here. Just keep investing. Invest in your 401k. Get your match. And as this thing cycles down further, and if it goes down further, just keep investing. And on the other side, you'll be glad you did. People that are getting close to retirement or are in retirement need to be quite a bit more cautious because we cannot be a victim of the timing of the market. And so in our next segment of our show here, we're going to talk a little bit more about that because the big thing here is to have a plan for where you're going mm -hmm. and having appropriate tools. But it's really the plan, if it's engineered properly, that will keep the worst things from happening and keep you on the right track so that you can get to where you want to go in retirement. So we're going to talk about that plan in the next segment, Jake. And, you know, a lot of the media really preys upon this doom and gloom commentary because that's what drives ratings. But if I'm hearing you correctly, and I think the takeaway from our conversation here the last couple of minutes is that there is hope and there is positivity out there. It's going to come sooner than later. And a lot of people are asking themselves, well, can I wait until it actually comes? What is your opinion on how quick that things are going to be turning around. I mean, by the time that the calendar switches from 23 to 24, do you think that the situation is going to be significantly different than it is now? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what's your best guess? So rather than giving a time frame, I will give you a few things to watch for. So number one is the Fed is not going to lower interest rates until they think they have to. They are not going to purposely try to drive inflation unless they can see things are breaking. If we start to see the banking system really have trouble or, or some other major financial instrument start to have trouble and the Fed starts to blink and say, hey, okay, we're going to save this. We're going to reverse policy. That will be the beginning of the end. I'm not saying that's the bottom. I'm just saying that that is one of the criteria that's going to have to happen before we can really take another big leg higher. The other part of this is in order to kind of get to the other side of this, we do have to defeat inflation. Now, some of that goes hand in hand with what I just said, which is in order to defeat inflation, we have to get people's attention, right? People are spending ridiculous amounts of money on credit, 
you know, so much so that they're having trouble putting food on the table for their interest payments on their credit cards, you know. And so some of that is going to have to break. And and I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But to answer your question a little bit more directly on the timing, I'd say when it starts to look really bad is where we want to really get invested. And I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but if you think about, like, during COVID, you know, what was the worst day? The worst day during COVID, the day that you would have wanted to buy if you could, right. was when the treasury market was blowing up and everybody thought everybody was going to die of COVID and we laid off a third of the workforce. You know, that doesn't sound like the time that you want to get invested. But in reality, that is when you want to get invested because the bottom is formed when the last person has sold. So that's inevitably going to be on a very negative day. I think a lot of people have felt pain here, but I don't think that they remember. People have short memories mm -hmm. uh, about 2020 right. and certainly about 2008, 2009, what that felt like to be there. But my best guess is six to 12 months, Jeff. Okay. Well, I, I'm not going to hold you to that, but I can tell you one thing that I do have and I think our listeners have, and that is hope for the future. And I'll repeat it again. America is resilient. There's nothing different about this than uh, past misfortunes, and we'll get through this as well, too. So again, I've got a bottle in front of me here that's got some water in it, and it appears to be halfway. I'm going to call it half full. You're listening to Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group. Glad you could join us here on this Saturday morning. We hope you're having a great one, and we appreciate your company every week. If you've got questions about your retirement plan, you want to get in and talk to Randy and Jake and get your questions answered. Once again, no cost, no obligation, no judgment to get your complimentary retirement roadmap with Randy and Jake. To get yours, call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break. Randy and Jake will be right back to talk about having a plan. I've got a little story for you to illustrate that point when our show continues right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Nowadays, 401ks are a part of life. Chances are you or your spouse have a current one or even an old one that's tied to some long-forgotten job. I'm Randy Floyd of the Floyd Financial Group here to ask you an important question about your 401k. Do you know your options, your fees, and if you're maxing out the benefits? If you want to know more about your 401k inside and out, call 877-889-PLAN for a complimentary review. That's 877-889-7526 or visit us online at floydfinancialgroup.com. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about saving for retirement isn't enough. You do need a wealth plan. And I'm going to illustrate that, Randy, with a little story. Now, I want you to imagine boarding an airplane for a long-awaited retirement vacation to Hawaii. Well, before you take off, the captain announces the crew is fairly certain they have enough fuel to make it to Hawaii safely. But if not, the plane will simply land in a desert or the ocean or something like that. Well, not only that, but the navigation system is down. The plan is to simply fly west and hope for the best. And for a hat trick of misfortune, the weather radar is malfunctioning functioning, so no one knows what kind of turbulence is ahead, but don't worry. Hey, the crew is sort of optimistic that good weather is ahead, so they've taken the liberty of removing the emergency life jackets and the air masks. i got to ask you a question, considering all that. You've heard that. You're on the plane. Are you staying on that flight? It seems that this airplane does not have a plan, and unfortunately, this is how many people approach retirement. 
Sounds like the morning news on pretty much yeah. all the mainstream <laughs> right. media channels. Must have, been, must have been that Boeing 737 Supermax thing, right? Yeah, no, we don't want to, we don't want to hear about that. Spend a little time in Seattle. That You do not want to hear about the 737 Supermax. But anyway, you know, that is the way that people approach retirement many times is that they, they just don't have a real plan. Yeah, I would agree, Jeff. I mean, it's one of those things, again, and it's not really people's fault. We just don't really do a very good job of educating people on money and investing and stuff in this country. But that being said, there are a lot of people that have saved a lot of money in their 401k plans, and kudos to them for doing that. So the bottom line is, though, we still need to have a track to run on. And so if you haven't really sat down and said, okay, here's where I'm at, here's where I want to go, and oh, by the way, how do I get there? What are the the pieces? Uh, it's kind of like a recipe for your favorite bread, right? right? So what goes in, how hot's the water, mm-hmm. you know, to make the yeast activate just right? How much sugar do I need to make the yeast grow? You know, well, the same thing is here, you know, how do we build a portfolio to withstand the ups and downs? How do we get the growth we need? By the way, what is the growth we need? And by the way, what's the target amount of assets we need to generate an income that we can't outlive and do it safely so we're not having to always worry about are we going to make it till next year and if we are baking that bread as you said the first thing that i'm going to do before i even begin the process is simply take inventory of the ingredients that i've got is that a good first step for somebody to build a wealth plan is sort of taking inventory yeah you know one of the things that you got to know is you got to know where you are before you can start to go to any destination, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, like our intro said, that we're on this plane that has no headlights, no runway, no no everything. Yeah. So we know where that is. Yeah. Well, it's like when you're in one of these national parks and you walk up to the uh, side there and it says, "You are." here <laughs> it's it's important that you know where you are where i've is... seen some of those signs that don't have that and you're <laughs> yeah. and you're, you spend 20 minutes going okay there's 50 trails 100 miles of trail yeah. and i don't, still don't know where i am because it doesn't say you are here it just says trailhead or something like that but there's 50 trailheads yeah they used to have that in shopping malls too back when there were shopping malls you'd say you are here and you're trying to get this this particular store but i mean i had problems even figuring out where here was so the first step as you said is to take inventory of what you have, what is there to deal with, and if you don't have enough, then I guess you've you've got to have a plan to make more so that you do have a better chance of getting where you need to be. Second win is probably once you've taken inventory is to figure out, as you said, where you're going. You've got to have a goal, right? And we've said this a lot on this show, Jeff, that we do very individualized plans. We use a lot of the same tools for people, but we have to understand what you want to do in retirement, what's important to you. Do you have 10 grandkids or zero grandkids? What do you want to fill your time with? How much money does that cost? You know, Again, if you like to fish from the bank at the lake in a public area, that's not going to cost very much money. But if you like to do it on a $100,000 boat and buy fuel at $5 a gallon and run two tanks of gas every day, mm-hmm. that's a whole different story, right? And uh, if you want to travel the world, that costs a certain amount of money. If you don't ever want to leave your porch, that doesn't cost very much. And so we have to understand who you are and what makes you tick and what your goals are in order to even really begin to build a plan. Right. Absolutely. And then we have to look forward and say, okay, if you're five years out from retirement or 10 years out, what does that look like? We got to factor in inflation and things of that nature. But the other thing then too, is once we kind of arrive at that target, we reverse engineer the plan. Mm. And that's it. That's why we've got to have the destination in mind so that we can look at that roadmap all along the way and have 
have checkpoints as well. And I think a good way to put it is to figure out how much it costs to be you. I mean, you are different than me, and uh, we're different from the person next door. And who is you? I'm a relatively simple person. I find joy in relatively simple things. So yes, to be me, it's a lot less expensive than it is to be somebody else because I'm not looking to uh, travel the world. Uh, you know, I've got a couple of grandchildren, and if as long as we can see them and, you know, we've got a roof over our head and uh, food to eat and some good neighbors and good friends, that's all it costs to be us. But again, that's just us. So figure out how much it costs to be you, but most importantly, figure out who you is or who you are, to be more grammatically correct. We're talking with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about building a wealth plan to get you to retirement. As you said, Randy, reverse engineering, that's what we need to do. You've got to implement some growth strategies once you figure out where you want to go. Can you elaborate on that? Sure, Jeff. We think that all financial tools can be advantageous. It just depends on the timing of using those tools. There are certain baselines that we like to set up where we have some guarantees. In other words, if you tell me, you know, your retirement budget, you know, is $10,000 a month, one of the things I want to know is of that 10000 how much of that is just actual cost to maintain the household and, you know, keep you fed and roof over your head and all that. So that may be three or $4,000 a month. And then the rest of that is your fund money, that five or six or, you know, whatever thousand dollars per month that is. So when we do that and we factor all this into the retirement plan and the assets we use, we're going to use different tools for different people because everybody's situation is a little different. Some people, Social Security may be 50 or 60% of their income. For other people, it may be 25 or 30% of their income. So as we look at risk and the amount of income we need to draw from a portfolio, uh, life expectancies and all those sorts of things, all the plants, like Jake said earlier, there's many of the same tools used just in different amounts and different ratios. But there's everything from mutual funds to ETFs, individual stocks, individual bonds that can be used. There's real estate investments that can be used. There's annuities. There's sometimes a life insurance play for uh, figuring out how to provide for a spouse should one of you die early or something mm -hmm. like that. And of course, we always have to take in health care as well. And like Randy said earlier, we want to begin with the end in mind. Rather than looking at what you have and finding out what's the most we can do with it. What we want to do is figure out where we're going and figure out how to get there. That way it looks the way you want it to look instead of just trying to make do with what you have. And so certainly if we if we can even have, you know, five or seven years before retirement to kind of make that happen, results tend to be quite a bit more, uh, you have more options, I mm -hmm. guess is, what, is the way I would put it. And I think we can work with anything, but what, what we'd like to do is let you have exactly the kind of retirement that you would like to have. And I think it's very important to note, too, uh, Randy, you were talking about the different tools or options that you have to help people get to where they want to be. And it's having a big financial toolbox. A lot of advisors have one tool in there. They've got an annuity, but they only sell one annuity. So it's very, very important to understand how deep the toolbox is at Floyd Financial Group. And I'm going to make another analogy here. I used to like to work on old cars, and it's what I'm going to do in my retirement. And I once had a 66 Mustang that had a six-cylinder engine in it, and I wanted to put a Chevy 350 in it to give it a little bit more power. But once I did that, I ran some stress tests. I wanted to sit in traffic to determine how I was going to cool that car. And I didn't just go out and get on the road with it. And it's, uh, I think the same thing applies to financial plans. You've got to, once you put these new tools into place, you've got to run some stress tests. 
You absolutely do. In fact, I would say that as Jake and I sit down and we're talking to people and we're looking at, as we learn about them and what's important to them through our discovery process, that's one of the first and foremost things we look at. Yes, we need growth. Yes, we need to, you know, to make our assets work for us. But one of the biggest things is we don't want to end up like Mr. Brown right. against Mr. Green, where we run out of money because we took too much risk. We also don't want to take too little risk. So it's something that we look at all the time. What is the stress test You know that we run? We have run just basically we look at building a portfolio and how much of the downside capture we would get versus how much of the upside capture we would get. Because what we're really looking for in our retirement plans is how do we give you tremendously good upside while mitigating the downside so that you can sleep at night and you can win long-term and generate some positive alpha for your portfolio. And the final step here in generating a wealth plan, I think, is going to be leveraging withdrawal strategies. How much do we take when we take it? Yeah, for sure. You know, we have a lot of people come in, they're saying, hey, you know, I've heard about this Roth IRA thing. Should I be converting to a Roth? Let me say this, it's worth a conversation, but I will tell you, we run the numbers all the time and I have a calculator and it's funny, the calculator says, this calculator will tell you what the advantages are of converting to a Roth, if any. If <laughs> any. What it, it is what it yeah. says on there. Wow, and, okay. And as crazy as that sounds, it's really true. Wow. I would say that a lot of what, what dictates that, of course, number one is the size of your pre-tax portfolio that you're wanting to convert. And then number two, how much time you have to convert it. Mm-hmm. And also, what tax bracket do we really feel like you're going to be in when uh, you're in retirement? Now, for some people, they're making a whole lot more money now, and they'll have a whole lot less in retirement. So... It, you know, maybe probably it probably does make sense for them to fund a traditional IRA or 401k to get the tax break today. But again, there's no uh, hard, fast rule on that. It's just something that we have to look at in every case. And when it comes to taking money out of retirement accounts, we also want to look at what we call bracket bumping. Can mm-hmm. we live within the 12% bracket today? Or do we need to jump to that next one in the 22% tax bracket? We want people to have what they want. We just want to make sure we look at all the options and we want to mitigate taxes as much as we can. So saving for retirement, well, that's just not enough. What you need is a wealth plan. You need a roadmap. And I can't think of anybody better to design that roadmap than Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Again, if you're a loyal listener to the show, you know that you can get your no cost, no obligation, no judgment financial roadmap with Randy and Jake. All you've got to do to take advantage of this opportunity is to call 417-889-7233 and get on the calendar. Ashley is very sweet and pleasant out front. She'll find a spot that works for you. 417-889-7233 is the number to call for your no cost, no obligation, no judgment retirement roadmap. You can also request it online if you'd rather do that at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's Floyd financialgroup.com. Well, unfortunately, gentlemen, we are out of time for this week. I've got some plans for a bass boat on the lake this Memorial Day weekend. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out there. Have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.